Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Happy Mother's Day again. I've already said it once, but I'll just say it again. Uh, I'm so excited to get to speak today, not just because it's Mother's Day, but because we are in week three of a series that I'm I'm really enjoying personally, and I hope that you've been able to take away some practicals for your life, and it's called Falcons and Unicorns, and we'll dive in in just a moment, but before we do, I just want to encourage you, if you're here and, and maybe you felt stuck in your relationship with God, maybe there's some things that, that you've been dealing with that you haven't been sure how to deal with. We have a, a connect group that's called Freedom Groups, and we had about 25 people go to our Freedom Conference this Friday and Saturday. Come on, how many of you love Freedom Groups? And it was amazing. So the stories that I've heard of what God has done in people's lives are literally, they would blow your mind. I could preach a whole message about it, but I just want to encourage you, if you've never been through the Freedom Groups, we'll be kicking them off again this fall. Keep your ears open and your eyes peeled for that because you're not going to want to miss it. And then I also want to tell you that next week is our last week of the Falcons and Unicorns series, and we're closing it out a little bit different than we ever have before. And I just want to tell you, you need to be in the room and you need to bring some people with you because next week we have some special guests that are coming. One of them is our pastor from LA. His name is Philip Wagner. And there's a couple other guests that are going to be with us. But listen, we're going to be talking about diversity. And we're going to be talking about the racial issues that are polarizing our country currently. And so this is a big conversation, but it's a crucial conversation that we want to make sure we're having here in church. And so I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss this. And I think it's going to be the most incredible close to a series that's all about embracing one another's differences and celebrating one another's strengths. So make sure you're in the room. Make sure you bring somebody with you. The speakers that we have that are going to share their stories and their experience it's going to be awesome. So I'm super excited about it. But just to recap a little bit for those of you who haven't been with us, hey, check out our podcast. You can catch up on all the sermons there. But this whole series has been about relationships. And one of the main points has been that our differences are not dysfunction. Our differences are not dysfunction. They're our design. It's the way that God made us. And last week, Pastor Kerry preached a great message about how our job is awareness. It's awareness of our own selves. It's being willing to work on being authentic, to stop Instagramming, not actually Instagramming, but Instagramming our life in a way that's just a facade. It's to be willing to ask the hard questions and and identify what are my blind spots and, and then to bring our relationships with one another to the dinner table where things are in the open, where we're willing to have real conversations. And that requires vulnerability. It requires trust and it requires some hard conversations. And so I just want to continue to challenge you to make sure you're doing some self-evaluation and going, okay, what do I need to do in the relationships that I have? Because I believe God's given us some practical things to work on. But can we do this? Can I pray for us right now before we dive in? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? 
Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this room of people today. God, I thank you that you are here. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are reminding us that you're present. God, that even during that time of worship, God, you're reminding us that, that you see us, that you know exactly what we're walking through. God, that you are more than enough for us. So God, today as we dive into the message, I ask that you would open our ears to hear. Open our eyes to see, our hearts to receive, God, the word that you have for us. And God, would you just gently, as you normally do, just put your finger on the areas of our life that we might need to make an adjustment, that we might need to change so we can experience all the things that you have planned for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right. Now, if you are the kind of person who likes to take notes in church, and you should be that kind of person. This is how we remember things, okay? But if you like to take notes, they're going to put a number on the screen. You can text the word notes to the number that will go on the screen behind me, and, and you can follow along in you version, or you can just take your own notes. But if you're doing that, I would challenge you to write down the title of the message today, and that would be this, Clean Your Glasses. Clean your glasses. And some of you are looking at my glasses going, yes, you need to do that. I know. I cannot manage to keep them clean for the life of me. And so there was a Sunday, probably a couple months ago, that we were driving into church one Sunday morning. And, you know, I think I might have been putting on lipstick or doing something like that as we're driving. And Pastor Kerry looked over at me and he said, Megan, what in the world? And I was like, what? What do you mean? He goes, how can you even see anything right now? And I go, I, I don't know. And he goes, give me your glasses, as he normally does. Like, he cleans them for me. And so I was like, okay. So I take off my glasses, and I hand them to him, and I'm like, oh, it's so much clearer without my glasses right now. And so he proceeds to clean the, the filth and the smudges off of my glasses, and he handed them back to me, and I put them on, and I was like, oh. I can see clearly now, the filth is gone. I, that's, I sang the song right there. No, I didn't. But honestly, I could see so much more clearly than I did before. In this series that we're in, it's all about relationships. So it's about marriages, about friendships, about people that we work with, that we go to school with. It's about people you don't necessarily want relationships with. <laughs> It's all about embracing our differences and celebrating our strengths. And I find that most of the breakdowns that we face in relationships, most of the hindrances to relationships forming in the first place come from our own distorted vision. So today, if you will allow me, and you really don't have a choice, I want to help you clean off the proverbial lenses of your life, okay? And on the other side of those clean lenses, I believe there might be a valuable relationship that you have been getting in the way of. And I would just ask you this, is it possible that the, the spots that you're looking at in other people might actually be your own? You see, there tend to be four ugly smudges on our proverbial glasses of life that really distort our vision when it comes to relationships. And I want to break those down for you today. The first one would be this. It would be judgment. Everybody say judgment. judgment. 
Now, the definition of judgment here that I want to share with you is this. It's arriving at a conclusion of someone else's motives or intentions based solely upon my perception. I'm going to read that one more time. Arriving at a conclusion of someone else's motives or intentions based solely upon my perception. I don't know about you, but I can be guilty of judgment. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 says this, don't pick on people, jump on their failures and criticize their faults unless of course you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. Do you? It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. So wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. <laughs> Ouch! This is a painful scripture. How many of you in this room have a natural bent towards cynicism? Thank you for being honest and raising your hands. <laughs> because I'm going to challenge you today. The challenge would be is that natural bit towards cynicism just might have become an ugly smudge on your glasses, distorting your vision of the people around you. And even now you're thinking, well, yes, but I'm right, aren't you? <laughs> uh -huh. All of you laughing. How many of you are quick to make assumptions or arrive at conclusions? I am the first to raise my hands. And, and I think that sometimes we operate out of a place of pain from past hurts or experiences, and, and we place people in categories in an attempt to avoid being hurt again, right? Or as a means of feeling better about ourselves. Listen, every single one of us in the room today, we all fall into the judgment trap. You know, I always tell my husband, I say, Carrie, you are so opinionated. And he's like, everyone is opinionated. Some people just say it out loud. And I was like, fair enough, right? How many of you say it out loud? Anybody? You know, a friend of mine recently challenged me about the concept of, of judgment. And she said, the places where we tend to be the most judgmental are the areas where we feel the most insecure or out of control or inadequate. And I thought, oh, yeah. You know, I think as women, sometimes when we feel like we're struggling with our appearance or, or our looks, that, that, that type of thing, I feel like women tend to deal with this more than men, but that might be a generalization. I, I think that sometimes we can be awfully judgmental of other people that we see that might look the way that we would like to look or whatever it might be. We can be judgmental about them. And the same thing comes down to success. Maybe in the, in the workplace, Somebody that you work with tends to experience all of the wins, like everything is working for them, and they're so successful. And, and oftentimes we get judgmental when out of our own insecurity or our own feelings of inadequacy, we're feeling like we're not measuring up, so we become judgmental about how they've gotten to where they've gotten and why they are who they are today. I think judgment really does sometimes come out of our own insecurities and inadequacies and places we can't control. And so this whole scripture is challenging us 
to not just look at what we think is wrong with other people, the way they choose to live their life or the way they choose to parent their kids, the way that they're successful in business or their appearance or their choices, but this whole scripture is challenging us with this. Worry about yourself, right? We've got to stop ourselves from creating a story about someone else's motives or character without a real conversation with them first. You might be surprised what a simple, open-minded conversation will reveal. Now, again, we talked about this in week one, and I'm just going to repeat myself. What this doesn't mean is that we condone behavior that is contrary to the Word of God. But, but we can simultaneously celebrate an individual and seek to understand an individual while challenging them to make choices that align with the Bible. You see, I have some pastor friends, and, and they just told me a story about when their church was kind of in the early days of their church. And, and they told me that one of, the, one of the services that they were in one day, an usher came running down to the front, and pastor, 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 pastor. And the pastor's like, what? What is happening? And they said, there is a woman in the back of the room, and she is hitting her baby. And so obviously the pastors reacted and they said, okay, we're coming. And, and they made their way to the back of the room with this usher where sure enough, there was a, a young and disheveled looking woman holding a, a baby, disheveled looking baby. And every time the baby would squirm or make a peep, uh, she was punching the baby in the leg. And, and they immediately responded and the pastor responded so well. And he put his hand on her shoulder and he said, ma'am, we actually have an incredible nursery where people are trained to take care of your child. And, and if you would allow us to take your child to the nursery, we will take care of her. We will make sure that everything is good. And, and then you can just sit and, and enjoy the service. And she very quickly and very willingly handed her child over. And, and they did. They took this little one to the nursery where, where this baby really was actually in, in bad shape and did have some bruises on her little legs and her diaper looks like it hadn't been changed in quite some time and she needed a bath and so the teachers proceeded to just take care of this baby and, and just get her all cleaned up but meanwhile in the service this woman was sitting through a message and as she sat through the message the pastor got to the end of the message and, and really shared about how Jesus chose you regardless of your past regardless of your mess Regardless of your story, he chose you, just like Pastor Kerry painted a picture of earlier today. He chose you. And this woman sat in the back of the room sobbing, and, and he gave an opportunity for people to say yes to following Jesus, and she immediately responded to that. And at the end of the message, she, she raced down to the front to pray with a prayer team member, and, and she's sobbing, and she began to unpack her story, and her first statement was, I didn't think anyone would ever want me. And, and so the prayer team continued to encourage her and pray with her, and she shared and unpacked her story that since the time she was three years old, she had been sexually abused. She'd been taken from her family and in one foster home to another foster home, and in many of those homes, experienced abuse as well. At 19, she'd been raped, and this baby that she had in her arms earlier was a product of that rape, and she had no idea how to parent that child. She had no idea how to respond because her own experience had taught her everything contrary to the ways of parenting. And, and so this church responded in such a great way. They wrapped their arms around her and they said, we're gonna help you. We're gonna help you walk in freedom. We're gonna help you find some healing because you've walked through some stuff and that's hard for anyone. And we're gonna help you learn what it looks like to parent. And listen to me, church, I want you to understand we are not 
advocates for child abuse. And, and that church took specific steps to have that child removed from this lady's home for just a little while while they came along and they helped her get healthy. And they helped train her in what it would look like to parent. And eventually they were able to place this baby back in this mother's home because she had learned what it was to be in a healthy environment. But all of that to say, it would be really easy to judge, wouldn't it? Every single one of us in this room gasped when I told the story. It'd be really easy to judge, but that required some openness to a conversation. John 8 tells us about a similar story in which the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus. And it says the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of the day. They came in and they, they brought in a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And, and they threw this woman naked before Jesus. How mortifying. They threw her there on the ground and they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law says that we should stone her. What do you say? And they're trying to trap Jesus. And here's the thing. Adultery is wrong. According to the scripture, it is wrong. But do you know how Jesus responded? Jesus stoops down into the dust. And it says in the Bible, he began to write something in the dust. Now, nobody knows, and scripture doesn't tell us what he wrote, but there are a lot of speculations. And I kind of like the speculation that Jesus was writing in the dirt the different sins of the different Pharisees that were standing around this woman. I just like that. I think that would be a sense of humor a tiny bit for Jesus. And I think he has to have one. And so he's writing in the dust and he's writing these words. And then he stands up and he says to the Pharisees, you who is without sin, throw the first stone. And every single one of them began to leave one at a time from the oldest to the youngest. And as they left, Jesus looked at this woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? And she looks around and they're gone. And he's extending to her grace. He's extending to her mercy. He's extending to her love and he helps her to her feet. He says this, now go and sin no more. See, the example that Jesus would give us in the relationships that we have one another is to extend grace, to extend mercy, to extend love, to not come with judgment, but at the same time to bring challenge. Now go and sin no more. And I just want to challenge you if maybe one of the smudges that you tend to deal with in the proverbial lenses of your life is judgment, that it, a way that you could clean that off of your lenses is to have a healthy conversation. Maybe you need to sit down and have a healthy conversation with someone that you love. Maybe you need to have a conversation with someone whom you don't like that much someone that you work with or you're friends with, and your first response should be to seek to understand. How can I understand you more? How can I identify what it would be like to walk in your shoes? Hear their story. Actually let them share where they're coming from. And listen to me, church, offer grace with a shovel, not a spoon. I think I need grace with a shovel, like heaps and heaps and heaps of grace, right? But so often we're tempted to take like the little spoon we put sugar in our coffee with and well, I'll give you a little bit. And I just wanna challenge you, if you struggle with judgment to, to clean the lenses of your life, have a healthy conversation. Be willing to ask some questions. Be willing to sit down and talk to somebody instead of just arriving at a conclusion. Are you with me? Number two is this. 
on the proverbial lenses of our life, I think one of the smudges that we deal with is jealousy. Jealousy. And you could write down the definition of jealousy as simply wanting what someone else has. Wanting what someone else has, whether it's looks, whether it's the spouse, the job, the friends, the favor, the vacations, whatever it might be. You know, Brooklyn, when she was four, she learned the Ten Commandments, and they taught it to her in such a great way that, that kids can remember. We still do this with our kids on the way to school. And, and I love it, and she learned it like this. Number one, one God. Number two, no idols. Number three, keep the Lord's name holy. Number four, keep the Sabbath holy. Number five, honor your mom and dad. Number six, don't kill. Number seven, be faithful in marriage. Number eight, do not steal. Number nine, don't lie. And number 10, don't be jealous what others have. <laughs> and it's always stuck with me. Don't be jealous of what others have. <laughs> and so every time I find myself dealing with jealousy, that is what comes to my mind. And I hope it will come to your mind now as well. Because jealousy will smudge up the lenses of our life every single day. And it's a huge contributor to judgment. You see, jealousy feeds us the lie that it's just not fair. It's just not fair. And if a reoccurring theme in your life is that statement, it's just not fair. Friends, could I say that you might be struggling with jealousy? Have you ever felt this way towards someone? You see, the Apostle Paul, he addressed this behavior in the Corinthian church. And, and I'll just warn you in advance, Apostle Paul, he was, he was one of those very direct personalities. And all of my people in the room who are the peacemakers, even when I read the scripture, you're going to be like, ouch, Paul, that's a little bit harsh. But he just calls it like it is. So get ready for it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more advanced teaching because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready for it. <laughs> you're living lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Now ask yourself this, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. Now, yes, Paul, that's a little bit harsh. But I just want to ask us, what are we allowing to dominate our life? What are we allowing to dominate our thoughts? Are you living a life that looks like Jesus, that responds to people like Jesus? You know, in week one, we talked about loving our neighbor and how this is the second greatest commandment, to love my neighbor as myself. And we identified that my neighbor is everyone. Well, then in 1 Corinthians 13, it breaks down what love looks like. Are you ready for it? It says this, love is large and incredibly patient. I fail in that all the time. <laughs> it says love is gentle and consistently kind to all. This part, it refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Gosh, 
I feel like every one of us can identify with this. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. See, to clean the proverbial lenses of our life from jealousy, I think one of the things we've got to learn to do is to begin to celebrate others. It's like throw a little confetti on their life, okay? Throw a little confetti and celebrate other people. And do you know how you do that? You compliment them publicly. When someone is sharing about something incredible that is happening in their life, the promotion at work, the new house that they're getting into, the vacation that they're getting to take, and you start to feel, feel that ugly sneer of jealousy creeping in, the best thing that you can do to clean that off your own lenses is just to right then and there celebrate them. Tell them that is incredible. I am so happy for you that you are experiencing that right now in life. I'm telling you, if you will learn to speak it out loud, it will change everything. If you're online on social media and you're, you're looking at all of the great things that are happening in people's lives and you're feeling that jealousy bug trying to bite you in the butt, hey, I'm telling you, if you will right then and there reply and say, I'm so excited for you. I'm happy for you. You deserve that promotion. You know what? That house is gonna be such a blessing for your family. Even though you might be dealing with some feelings, hey, this is a choice. So to clean the smudges of jealousy, we've got to begin to celebrate others. So judgment, jealousy. The third one would be this, comparison. Comparison. And the definition I'd give you of comparison is this. It's when I measure my value based on someone else's successes or accomplishments. See, the scripture earlier in 1 Corinthians 3, it says this, are you comparing yourselves to others? It's asking us to identify, are you doing this? And guys, I don't know how this plays out in your life. I, I can't think like a man. I'm not one. But I can tell you this. As a woman, we struggle with this all the time. In fact, as we're celebrating Mother's Day, I imagine that most of the moms in the room could identify with this because sometimes we compare ourselves to other moms. Yeah to the way that they parent, to the things they do with their kids. I remember catching myself one day and I saw some friends of mine and they were doing the coolest crafts, like DYIs. Did I say it right? No, DIYs. See, I never say it right. That's why I can't do it. <laughs> they were doing the coolest crafts with their kids and I remember coming home and being like, babe, I don't craft. And he was like, that's okay. And I was like, but it's not. My kids are missing an experience. You know, we do this all the time. We compare ourselves with other people. And, and in a world where we are all up in one another's business, all the time, we are all up in one another's business. Listen, we are overly connected. Social media has amplified this to the greatest extent. So in an environment where we're constantly it constantly in your face, looking at what's happening with people around us, it's easy to get caught in the comparison trap. And I want to challenge you that comparison is the root of all inferiority. Comparison is the root of all inferiority. The moment that you compare yourself with someone else, the moment you compare your life, your story, your child, your looks, Whatever it might be, your success with someone else, you will immediately feel less than. See, jealousy, that's wanting what someone else has. That's wanting what someone else has, but comparison is when I feel less than or when my value is diminished because I'm looking at what someone else has. And for example, I see somebody else that's taking this amazing family vacation and I don't just feel jealous, I'm happy they're taking a vacation, but what I begin to feel on the inside is I begin to feel like I can't provide that for my family. Yeah. 
I'm not enough. Maybe I see someone's beautifully styled and organized home and I think I am not even capable of that. I, I won't ever be able to do that. I'm, I'm not enough. Maybe we see the family with the children that are extremely advanced in academics and they're playing every sport and they have a scholarship to USC before they are in second grade. And we are like, I will never be that kind of parent. I'm not good enough. This is comparison. And comparison, Theodore Roosevelt said this, it's the thief of joy. And it is. It will rob you of joy every single time. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. You see, I'm acting foolish and without real understanding when I compare myself to others because God didn't intend for me to have someone else's life. He gave me my life for a reason. He made me who I am for a reason with my gifts and talents and passions and dreams for a reason. Galatians 6, 4 says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. You know, I think we talk about this a lot, like the grass is always greener on the other side, and I've heard it said the grass is greener where you water it, and I think in some ways that's true, but then I also know that there's those moments in our life where the comparison trap comes after us, and we've done everything that we can do. There's those moments where I've attended the 10th wedding of the year for my friends, and yet I find myself still single. And I'm going, God, when is it going to be my turn? Is there something wrong with me? That's comparison. I think it's the, the 15th or 20th baby shower invitation that we get in the mail, and and it's like I've been praying for a child for so long, and it seems like everyone around me keeps having children, and Am I not enough? That's the comparison trap. And I just want to challenge us to clean the proverbial glasses of comparison. There's something that we can do. And I'm going to challenge you to start a gratitude journal. Now, guys, don't tune me out. It doesn't have to be flowered. You don't have to use a pretty color pen. Okay? You can do this on your cell phone, on your notepad. But I'm going to challenge you to start making a list of some things you're grateful for. Really, like write them down, the things that you're grateful for. Maybe some of you need to write down a mantra and remind yourself who you are called to be. So you stop looking at everybody else, you remind yourself who you are. Pastor Kerry taught about this a few weeks ago. You need to be, I am more than a conqueror chosen by God. I am good enough because he is good. I am more in love with Jesus today than ever before. I'm telling you, I could go through the whole mantra. Maybe you need that. You need to remind yourself who you are to celebrate the season of life that you are in right now, who God has called you to be and where you are right now, because I guarantee you, if you look for it, you can find some things to be grateful for, and it will help you clean the lenses of comparison. The last one is this, it's competition. Competition. And competition happens when my behavior is fueled by an internal desire to be better than someone else. Ouch. See, all of these, judgment, jealousy, comparison, they can all feed a spirit of competition if we don't keep them in check. And competition says, I need to be better than you or I need to prove that I am as good as you. And it looks different for guys and girls. You know, guys walk in a room and and they're sizing one another up. My husband has told me that when guys walk in a room, 
Every guy walks in and immediately decides who he can beat up. (laughs) Or who he is funnier than, who he's stronger than, who he's more successful than, who has a better beard. You guys are crazy. Just saying. James 3 tells us this, but if there is bitter jealousy or competition hiding in your heart, don't deny it and try to compensate for it by being phony. Listen to me. Don't puff up like you have something to prove or shrink back because of insecurity. You see, pride is just puffed up insecurity which screams, I have something to prove. If we want to choose peace and relationships and and clean the smudge of competition off our proverbial lenses, I think we're going to have to do something similar to what we did with jealousy. We're going to have to begin to celebrate the strength that we see in other people. Celebrate their strength. But then I think we're going to have to take it a step further. Are you ready for it? We're going to need to ask, what can I do to help them achieve greater things? See, maybe it's in your office. Maybe in your workplace, you're watching someone around you constantly experience success. And you feel that ugly competitive thing just welling up inside of you. Like you need to prove that you're either better than them or you're just as good as them. And you feel it. And constantly, everything they say irks you. You're constantly finding issues with them. Maybe the thing that you need to do is to begin to celebrate them. Just go, that was awesome what you did in that meeting. In fact, that idea you had, let me help you accomplish that. Talk about humility. Talk about being willing to help someone else advance over myself. But if you want to deal with that spirit of competition, we're going to have to work to help other people advance, to celebrate their strengths and to get the focus on them. Maybe for teenagers, this is someone at your school who you're constantly competitive with. Maybe you need to start cheering them on and figuring out how you can help them be better. Moms, maybe you've got kids at school and there's that overachieving mom who's constantly doing everything and and they've been driving you crazy. And you're like, I cannot be that. You maybe need to celebrate them and go, how can I help you with that great idea you had? Listen, this is a choice we have to make. I have some incredible friends in my life that, that do a lot of the same things that I do. They're pastors, they're communicators, they're, they're, teaching people and calling forth purpose. And and I love my friends, but every once in a while, I start to feel those ugly smudges getting on my glasses. They don't stay clean forever. I've already cleaned these like five times today and they're dirty right now. They don't stay clean forever. So I have to be aware of what I need to do to come in and clean these lenses off. And I'm just saying, maybe you need to be aware of whether it's jealousy or competition, or comparison, or judgment. Maybe you need to be aware of that and do the work that's necessary to get them clean. You know what I do when I feel those things coming up inside of me? I just celebrate my friends. And it's not something I always feel. It is always a choice. And I've had to choose to be a champion of and a cheerleader for my friends. So when I get a phone call from somebody that says, who should we have speak at this event? I'm like, I know five girls. I know five people, they're my best friends. And I'm going to cheer them on and champion them in what they're doing. Why? So that I don't have any ugly root of competition come up in me. An ugly thing of jealousy or comparison or judgment. 
I've got to do the work and I'm just challenging you that we all have to do the work daily. Our differences are not our dysfunction. They are our design. God made us this way. We need one another. So don't let your proverbial dirty lenses keep you from real authentic relationships. I imagine if every single one of us right now in this room was to examine our own heart, we could all identify the smudges in our own life. Philippians 2, 3 through 5 says this, be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness and possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. See, the goal is here, not that we have all the answers. The goal is here that we're willing to surrender our will. We're willing to hand over our lenses and let the will of God change our mindset and our perception to see people like Jesus sees them. Some of you are in desperate need of a, a real conversation with someone that you've been feeling judgment towards. Some of you need to do the work of having the conversation Some of you are here and you need to deal with the jealousy thing and begin to celebrate others. And some of you, it's competition and you're just gonna have to figure out how do I help them now? (laughs) Because it's what Jesus would do. The comparison trap, you gotta remind yourself who God's called you to be. He didn't call you to be anybody else. But what I really want you to know before you leave today is this. We get this model from a relationship with Jesus. We can't do this on our own. There is no way. On my own, I would fail miserably every single day. We can't do this on our own. You need a relationship with Jesus because it's in a relationship with Him that we begin to become more like Him. We begin to see things through His mindset and it helps us shift and it helps us change. Create space for relationships we never thought we could have. But to do that, you have to first start a relationship with Jesus. And you need to know this, Jesus was never exclusive, never. He's never been sitting with a hammer of judgment just waiting to drop it on all the mistakes that you've made. In fact, you don't have to do anything to get your life in order before you say yes to Jesus. He is waiting for you right now. He chooses you right now. In the middle of your mess, in the middle of your story, He chooses you right now. He doesn't deal with jealousy and competition and comparison. Why? Because there is no one like our God. There's no one like Him. And when we begin to recognize that our best life comes, when we lay our life down and we begin to submit our plan to His plan and His purpose, He deals with our selfish hearts and deepens our relationships by helping us deal with judgment and jealousy, comparison and competition. And with Jesus, we get to experience the fullness of all that God has created for us in our own lives and in our relationships. And there's some of you in this room today and you have never started a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've been trying to do it on your own and that's exhausting. 
Let me just tell you, you don't have what it takes and you're awesome. It's a relationship with Jesus that changes things. And maybe you're here and you've been running from God. Maybe you're actually just like Pastor Kerry talked about earlier. You feel like you don't deserve a relationship with him. Maybe you've been looking at your past and looking at your mistakes and, and you've just been running from God because honestly, you, you feel like he's gonna judge you. And I just wanna tell you, he's not standing here looking at you with judgment. He's got open arms. The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks and anyone who would open that door, he will come in. See, God wants a relationship with you so much. He sent his son Jesus for you. And I just wanna challenge you not to leave here today without starting a relationship with him. And that's simple. It's a decision that you make. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity for that. And so I'm gonna ask everyone in this room just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe you're here and you've been running from God and today is the day to just stop in your tracks and say, God, I give up. I, I give it all to you. I'm gonna choose to follow you, to let you lead me, to let you shape my life. And maybe you're here and, and you made that decision a long time ago, but if you were honest with yourself, you've, you've just really been going the opposite direction and it's time to come back. I'd just like to pray a prayer with you. I'm not gonna ask you to get out of your seat. I'm not gonna ask you to pray out loud. I'm just gonna ask you to take a holy moment between you and God and have a conversation with him. To acknowledge the areas of weakness that you've struggled with and to realize that his grace is all you need. So if that's you and you're here and you need to make a decision today to follow Jesus, would you just in your own heart, quietly in your own mind, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear God, I know I know that I've messed up. I know that I've been trying to do this life on my own and I realize that I need you. So I ask you to forgive me. I acknowledge that you are God and today I'm choosing to give my life to you. And all around this room, if that's you, would you just let these words be the cry of your heart? Just say this, say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.